The following program is paid for by the Springdale Golf Club. The views and information expressed are the opinions of its host and her guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the station, management, or its ownership. It's time to swing into the golf world of today with Springdale Golf Live on Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. Sponsored by our friends at the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Now, here's your host, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Members, friends, and players, good afternoon and welcome to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun, and I'll be here entertaining you on this Friday afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Fox Sports 920 The Jersey. You know, you can listen anywhere at 920thejersey.com. You just got to hit that listen now button. Here we go, Wade. It's another week in the pop culture world of sports and golf. And I've got some uh, great news to discuss with you a little bit later. But right now, you know, we have what I think is just one of the coolest guys to have ever played on the PGA Tour. He currently tees it up with the champions. But when it comes to this world-class player, it's always been a family affair. Excellent job on the board there, Mr. Wade Weezer, with the uh, song of the week, a little Wanted Dead or Alive by New Jersey's own John Bon Jovi and, and the band Bon Jovi. And uh, you know what? Let's get right into it here, because uh, the song of the week is in tribute to this 25-year tour veteran named Brett Quigley. Brett's joining us on the air today. Brett, welcome to Springdale Golf Live. How are you today? Thanks for having me, guys. 25 years is a long time. Well, I tell you, you know, I, I chose that song today for a couple reasons. And, um, you know, as a veteran of, you know, the Corn Ferry or what to you is the web.com or Nationwide or Nike Tour, whatever it was back then, um, you know, some of the, the lines of that song, you know, it's all the same, only the names will change. You know, on a steel horse I ride, meaning a plane, you're all over the place. Um, you know, that was a billboard hit in 1987, which, if I recall, was a pretty good year for you as a junior golfer, wasn't it, Brett? <laughs> yeah, I was pretty fortunate to win the U.S. Junior in, in 87 before my freshman year of college. So that was, uh, you know, pretty, pretty neat, neat year out in Vail, Colorado. So we're here in Jersey. We're just having a little fun with Bon Jovi, and we're about to have a lot of fun with you. And so Brett Quigley, you know, welcome to Springdale Golf Live, man. You know, it's um, it's a, an honor and a privilege to have you on here today and talk a little bit about golf. And uh, more importantly, what what else are you up to these days? I know you're out there teeing it up on the Champions Tour, but you have an, you have a pretty exciting life otherwise. What else are you up to? I, I do. I've been fortunate to work for Fox and the USGA doing some television for them the last few years. Um, and it's been a great, great experience. It's been an interesting experience to be on that side of it, being a player for so long and then to see it through uh, more of the camera and more, more to be able to be set back a little bit and take a look at the players. And certainly been a good uh, learning experience for me watching golf and talking about it. Well, it's okay. You bring that up there. What's been most interesting being on the outside looking in? You know, I think for me as a player, I thought I had to play perfect to win or to compete every week. And as, as an announcer or a commentator or a spectator watching it, you realize, hey, these guys don't always hit perfect shots. And I, I just, I think in my mind as a player, I had an idea that, hey, in order to win, you've got to be perfect. And then to see these players miss shots or hit shots that aren't ideal, and then what they do as, you know, in a response to that or how they recover or an up and down here, 
um, certainly that, that makes or breaks their round. That's you know I, I hadn't thought of it that way, and you being a, a player, you know that really is kind of a, a reversal of roles there, and, and it probably gives you a better appreciation for what you were going through all those years on tour. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. In in retrospect, me looking back on my career, I was definitely too hard on myself and not um, not as forgiving. And just I, it's funny, Dana always told me, my uncle Dana, uh, obviously a great player, and I grew up around he and my dad, but. He always told me I should laugh at bogeys because I made so many birdies, you know, and not not take it so seriously. But you get on tour and you're, you're playing for all this money. You're playing in front of all these people. You're playing with all your idols. And, you know, you make a bogey and you're like, oh, gosh, panic it sets in a little bit. So, you know, and, and just me being able to step back saying, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter if you make a bogey. You just got to it's what you do after that. Well, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, so, okay, so I wanted to get into this a little bit because I spent six years of my professional PGA career up working at Warwick Country Club in Warwick, Rhode Island, and that was 2003 to 2009. And at any time in Rhode Island, when I was working at the club, if a Quigley was coming over to play, it was like Rhode Island royalty, you know, coming over to play the club. <laughs> and, it, and it was like one of the coolest things. And you mentioned, you know, your Uncle Dana, and then you mentioned your dad, Paul, right? Um, like, was golf just a foregone conclusion for you in life? I mean, when you were growing up, were you just like, did they have the stroller on the driving range? What was going on for you as you grow up with your golf experience? I mean, I, as far as I remember, I had a club in my hand. So I was always around it. I caddied for my dad growing up. I caddied for Dana growing up. I club caddied at Rhode Island Country Club. I caddied for Brad Faxon. I caddied for Dana one year at Weathersfield when the old Sammy Davis Jr., the Hartford Open there. And, Literally, the only thing one on he makes the cut on the number on Friday. We play Saturday morning. I'm counting for him. I'm dragging the bag. It's so heavy. The only shot I remember that he shot 61. The only shot I remember the whole round is he topped the shot on the second hole as a par five. He dead topped it down the middle of the fairway, knocked down the green, made birdie. So I've been around good golf and and seen it my whole life. But as far as a foregone conclusion, it's funny. Um, I had great success as a junior, um, heavily recruited as a, as for college, which was very great, fortunate, and um, didn't love college golf. And literally my senior year, wasn't sure if I'd ever play golf um, as a professional. And then after NCAAs, I, I came home and I was like, you know what, this is what I've always wanted to do. I have to give it a try. And, and fortunately played pretty good early. I mean, didn't get my tour card, but played many tours and, and, it's funny I say played pretty good. I didn't get my card for five years, but I played many tours and other tours and, and certainly learned um, a lot about golf myself doing that. Well, and I'm sure you had some pretty good role models around. And, you know, folks, just to kind of get into this a little bit, if you're not familiar with the Quigley family, um, Brett's uncle Dana spent a, a number of very successful years out on the Champions Tour, tearing it up there. And then his dad just might be the best golfer in the family. Um, I believe, and I'm sure this is still the case, but isn't your dad the person with the most wins in RIGA history? I, um, um, I think that's correct. It might even be in New England and as far as amateur golf. But I'll send a disclaimer. I'll never admit that my dad's um, a great, certainly not the best in our family, but a great player. <laughs> so don't ever tell, tell, tell him I was singing his praise. But, yeah, we, we, we've had some, some great matches between uh, all of us in the family. But I did have some great role models. I mean, with Faction, with Billy Andrade, uh, my dad, my uncle, um, you know, P.H. Horgan played the tour. Pat Sheen was a great player growing up, still is a great player. But, 
um, me being around Rhode Island Country Club and being around Faxon and being around Andrade and, and just watching my uncle play, um, I mean, I was so very fortunate to see um, that it can be done and, and to see Brad and Billy play on tour from a little Rhode Island state. That was, um, And it wasn't really a big deal to me. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, these guys – um, look at this. It was more like, hey, they can do it. I can do it. It's Rhode Island. What's the big deal? You know, it wasn't. It wasn't um, a huge deal to be on tour. Obviously, it's a great, a great thing to to be able to even play a year. But it just seemed like, hey, I can. If they can do it, I can do it. Well, folks, we're here on the air with Brett Quigley, and Brett's from up there in the New England area. He's been on the PGA Tour for, you know, 20-something years, and now he plays on the Champions Tour, and he's also doing some work for Fox Sports and the USGA coverage. And, you know, so you touched upon it there. I mean, you just listed like 10 guys that were all on tour or had tour-caliber game, and they all came from Rhode Island. And, and I get that the golf ball doesn't know what state you're from, but how is it that such a small area that has more water than actual land, as far as the state goes, uh, could produce so many great golfers. I mean, what's your theory on that? Uh, I, I think it's twofold, actually. First, we, we got to play some great golf courses, a bunch of Donald Ross golf courses with small greens. Uh, so we didn't hit many greens growing up, so we had to chip and putt it. And if you look at Brad's career, I mean, amazing talent with the short game. Billy Andre's career, amazing talent with the short game. Uh, I'd say I was pretty darn good with the short game, too. So it, it certainly... Um, made us, you know, the players that we were, where we had to have a great short game to score well in New England, in Rhode Island, on a Donald Ross golf course. And you know that being up in there. Um, the second thing is I think the season helped. You know, where we put down the clubs in September, and I played soccer. I played basketball. And I didn't play baseball because it was during golf season. But we all did other stuff, and everybody played different sports. So you didn't have to play golf year-round, and I think that was a positive. Yeah, you know what? I I hope that a lot of people were listening to that last sentiment or get it on the podcast, folks, and download it and just listen to that last two sentences because golfers these days are athletes and that the more sports and the more competition and the more you find yourself in the arena doing different things to test yourself is certainly going to you know make you a better competitor in the long run now speaking about the long run right now you're on tour for a long time you know you get your card in 96 you still have access to the champions tour so now you know we're looking at 20 plus years there um, I love to have fun with my PGA tour players when they're on the show and I say well you know what with all of your experience on tour, if Jay Monahan stepped away and I could make you commissioner of the PGA Tour, what would Brett Quigley do as commissioner of the PGA Tour to, to continue this amazing growth that the tour has seen? Uh, that's easy. I would fix slow play. And and doing so, I would, I mean, it, it may not be, uh, to me, an appearance of fixable, but if you penalize guys for slow play during the round, they're going to speed up. You know, there's, it's been chronicled where guys take two and a half or four minutes or whatever it is, you know, during a shot. If they know there's a shot penalty coming, they're never going to take that long. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, that that that's a very general question. It can go in any direction, and you went in the most positive way that you could, and I love it. I, I just love that idea. Very succinct. Um, well said there. Now, speaking of succinct or a quick ending, um, the Champions Tour, the tour that you, uh, you're you out there playing on, so you know these guys. Um, a pretty dramatic finish to the end of the entire season uh, this past Sunday. So were you watching that, or when did you hear about what was happening? And then have you spoken to any of the guys? And, and folks, just to give you all a little bit of perspective, the end of the Charles Schwab, Charles Schwab Championship Cup um, tournament came down to a playoff 
First playoff holds between Retief Goosen and Jeff Maggart. Two legendary players. First playoff hole, both pars. Second playoff hole, both birdies. Third playoff hole, Goosen hits it to 15 feet. Maggart makes it for eagle on a par four. He wins the tournament. And in the same motion, Scott McCarron wins the cup. Have you ever seen a golf tournament end like that before? No, I haven't. It was it was amazing. I wasn't watching it, but a bunch of my friends, Saxon, was were texting me during the whole thing, going, "Are you watching? Did you see this? Oh, they just both made birdie. You're not going to believe it. Maggard just hold out, and then McCarron wins. But if Retief had, had made that putt in regulation, he wins. Like there were so many different scenarios and so much drama, and and that's that's the beauty of golf. And and even hearing uh, McCarron's um, interview after the round, he said, "Hey, the last month I've been thinking about it too much. I was, you know, basically choking because I was so nervous trying to win this cup, and I didn't play good golf coming down the stretch. But fortunately, Maggart makes that unbelievable wedge shot from 123 yards or whatever it was, and and he wins the tournament, and McCarron gets to win the whole cup." I mean, I I don't know that in golf there's ever been a better walk-off. It just blows my mind because if Retief wins the playoff, he wins the cup, he wins that tournament. But when Maggart makes it, then Maggart comes in second, Retief goes to third, and then McCarron wins the whole thing. He's up on the, the patio, and he's watching this whole thing, and somebody comes over and says, hey, you just won the Charles Schwab. He's like, how did that happen? Well, Maggart made eagle. I just, I, you know, it's funny. Everyone kept talking about the changes in the PGA Tour schedule and all these things that are going on. It's almost Thanksgiving, and we have this kind of drama. It's, isn't it just fantastic time right now in golf? It really is, and and all the guys that are playing well, and there's there's so many great storylines. That's that's the beauty of it, and it's just I love as a I love it as a fan. I love it as a player, and it's just it's great to to see it. So, as a fan and a player, what are you most excited about for golf in 2020? Getting back to competing again. So, I mean, I'm I'm going to go to Q School for the Champions Tour, and right after Thanksgiving. So I'll try to shorten the story. I've got career money on the Champions Tour, so I'll get some starts, maybe five or eight starts for the year. But I can go to the qualifying school this year and try to improve that position. So that's that's what I'm going to try to do here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but just getting back to competing and, and playing golf, and, and that's what I've done my whole life, and that's what I love doing. And um, I'm, that's what I'm probably looking most forward to this year. Well, folks, and you could probably recognize the voice. It's the it's that player, Brett Quigley. He was out on tour forever, and we've got him here on Springdale Golf Live this afternoon. And uh, before we let him go, we have this weekly tradition, and we love to do a little rapid-fire Q&A with our guests. My listeners love to get to know everyone on a personal level, so we won't we won't dig too deep, Brett. You know, it won't be like one of those family <laughs> matches. You know, there won't be any like you know um, fighting or anything like that. But um, we're gonna have some fun. You up for this? Absolutely. All right, here we go, Brett. Would you rather have dinner with Tom Brady or Larry Bird? Larry Bird. Most unique thing you carry in your golf bag? Gosh, nothing. Uh, the only thing unique that I do is I carry one tee and, and one coin in my pocket for um, the round. I just don't like a lot of stuff rattling around. Some people carry a dollar's worth of change or a fistful of tees. I don't like too much in my pocket. Well, generally, the the guy with the dollars worth of change wasn't that Seve in the Ryder Cup, you know? Yeah, he's always <laughs> rattling around. He's always doing something. All right, on a scale of one to ten, rate your singing. Oh gosh, two. Coffee, yes or no? Uh, large quantities of coffee. Yes. Right. Well, then, how do you drink it? Uh, black. All right, good man. What makes you smile? My girls, my kids, my two daughters. Very nice. Last item you ordered online. 
Um, I just ordered. I played golf with a with a, a guy a guy that I just met last week. Um, he was complaining that his kids steal his chargers all the time. So when I got home, I, I played at this new golf course in Georgia. Mike Walrath uh, did with Gil Hans. Great place. A hoopy match called. Anyway, he. I when I got home, I went on Amazon and I ordered ten phone chargers and sent them to him. So he he's going to have phone <laughs> chargers for a long time. <laughs> He's not going to run out. Well, I have two kids myself who have tons of things to charge, so I'm going to play golf with you soon. All right. Um, <laughs> you, you played in 15 major championships. Which was your favorite? Oh, gosh. I'd say I, I always wanted to play the Masters. Um, I guess growing up, that was the one. I mean, US, I was fortunate to, to be tied for lead with Tom Watson one year in the U.S. Open after the first round, but I'd say the Masters was, was probably the best for me. My dad got to caddy for me that week. My wife gave uh, birth to our first child that week. I went home for that, and then I came back, made the cut on the number. And then on Sunday, I made, and then again, you hear about the Masters, and you make an eagle on any hole, you get crystal. All I wanted to do was make an eagle, and on 13, the par 5 there, I hit a 3-iron over the flag about 35 feet. Pin was right. I had a really fast putt downhill, and as I'm taking my practice stroke, I said, hit it like a 3-footer because it's so fast. And my last look up, I said, you know what, hit it like a 6-footer. I hit it, and as soon as I hit it, I said, oh, no. And I pulled it a little, and I hit it too hard. Somehow the ball stayed on line, hit the back of the hole, goes right in. I made eagle for Crystal, and I'm walking off the green, and the place goes crazy. I'm walking off the green. My dad kind of looks at me. I look at him. I said, if it doesn't hit the hole, it goes in the water. And he goes, oh, I know. And it was like, oh, my gosh, I could have just put it in the water, and I made eagle. Well, you know, we started the show today saying it was going to be a family affair. So that's the 07 Masters, right? Your dad's your caddy, yeah. and you and yeah. that week you, you have the birth of your first child. So uh, that's a pretty good family week right there. All right. That was fantastic. Best book you've read recently? Uh, digital Minimalism. Easy. All right. Uh, how old were you when you first beat your dad? Um, I beat him in the state. That's a good question. So I could never beat him head-to-head playing with him because he had that psychological advantage. But I beat him in the state amateur. I only played state amateur, state amateur once, Rhode Island State Amateur, actually at Warwick Country Club, and I beat him in the semifinals. And it was kind of bittersweet, but I really wanted to beat him. After, after I beat him, I kind of felt bad, but I did want to beat him. Well, a good one there and a great course to do it on. All right, one more. When you hear the word beach, what is the first place that comes to mind? Uh, here in Jupiter. Um, I've been fortunate to be down here for, for a few years now and, and take the kids there every weekend. And so that's what that's, I, you know, more than I think about it, Rhode Island comes to mind, third beach and then Pebble beach. So I, I can, is that a three part, three part answer there? It, they're your answers. It's just my rapid fire. So, you know, whatever you want it to be. I'd say Pebble beach, as far as golf wise, it's the greatest walk in golf. All right. Well, you know what? You just said that you've been fortunate. We've been very fortunate. My listeners have been very fortunate to have you on today. Brett Quigley, can't thank you enough for being on Springdale Golf Live. All the best. Good luck at Q School. We'll all be rooting for you. Thanks, Keith. That was great. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, there you go, Wade Weiser. Let's go with a little Bon Jovi. And, uh, folks, it's 3.18 p.m. here in Princeton. And uh, for our friends down there in Playa del Carmen watching the Mayakoba Classic, it's also 3.18 p.m. Thanks for listening to Fox Sports 920 The Jersey. Be back in a moment.
The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the NJPA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. With a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming under the guidance of PGA professionals so individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. To support the NJGF or learn more about programs and special events, visit njgolffoundation.org. That's njgolffoundation.org. Rich in distinguished history for nearly 125 years, Springdale Golf Club and its members have been beautifully making their mark as the best golf and social experience in our region. Our impact in the industry does not stop there. Did you know about the benefits that extend beyond the boundaries of the club through its agreement with Troon Purvey, the private club operating division of Troon Golf Management? Springdale's walkable and superbly conditioned William Flynn design course, now combined with Troon's operational expertise, are taking the club to the next level in our commitments to the member experience. Just announced as a significant expansion to the Troon Purvey Privileges Program. This Vanguard service initiative includes enhanced golf and lifestyle benefits that extend far beyond the fairways. For more information about our club and all the incredible moments being made at Springdale Golf Club and through Troon Purvey, please take a visit of our website at www.springdalegc.org forward slash Troon Purvey. Let's get back on course as Springdale Golf Live continues on Fox Sports 920 The Jersey. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You're listening to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. I like the way you talk. I like the things you wear. I want your number tattooed on my arm in ink, I swear. Because when the morning comes, I know you won't be there. Every time I turn around, you disappear. My man, Wade Weezer on the board, and uh, just uh, just a little fun with the music and the song of the week. This particular episode of Springdale Golf Live, you know, we went a little classic there with our guest, Mr. Brett Quigley, and going back to 1987, and then right now we have a little almost 2020 there on the radio there with uh, "Nice to Meet You" by Niall Horan, and I just love the beat of that song. What do you what do you think about that one there, Wade? You like I that do choice? like the beat. Love the beat. Yeah, you know, and I, I have to um, you know throw out a little bit of a, uh, a sincere apology um, to uh, we're now in episode 83, and I, and I think you and I have had about 50 of these episodes together now. And I, think uh, I know where you're going with this. And um, you know, I, I have hat in hand here. And uh, earlier today, as we were getting doing show prep, uh, you mentioned to me that uh, I'd been saying Wade Weiser for um, you know the better part of I don't know 50 episodes here. So uh, I, I sincerely apologize that you are Wade Weezer and. Okay. And um, you know, it's my it's my radio name. <laughs> yeah, well, like, you know, I mean, I mean, Weezer is well, yeah, I, I get it. All right, fine, yeah. Pardon We're the good. pun. I get it. All right, cool. But you know, what was cool was uh, Brett Quigley, great guy, um, just a fantastic player, uh, great family history of golf up there. I mean, his his dad, Paul Quigley, is a living legend in Rhode Island history of golf, um, in in New England amateur golf. He he's won like something like a hundred championships in his lifetime. And, uh, you know, he never turned pro. And, you know, Brett did and spent 20 something years out on tour. Just, it's fantastic uh, tradition of golf in their family. I love how Brett said that he uh, could never beat his dad because of the psychological advantage. He just, like, he just glossed over. Yeah. I, I can't beat him because of the psychological advantage. Yeah. I let, I let that one go because, <laughs> you know, I, 
I asked that question for a reason, just to see where it would go. Obviously, just digging in that a was little the bit, and uh, I got what I wanted out of that. And uh, you know, it, it, one of the cool things that I want to I want to go back to, and, and I know we've only got a couple minutes here, and I got a bunch of things I want to go over this because there's some cool stuff going on in golf right now. But the first thing is, is like the ending of that Champions Tour event can't be undersold. I mean, this thing was it, it's crazy. One guy makes it from 120 something yards away, and then two guys win at the same time. It's like the ultimate mic drop. So congratulations to Jeff Maggart and, of course, to Scott McCarron for winning the Charles Schwab Cup, the uh, season-long point series. Now, speaking of great endings, Turkish Airlines Open, European Tour, six-man playoff. Right, six-man playoff, and now they're starting like their FedEx Cup playoff series over there in the European Tour, and the winner's going to get two million dollars. Well, after four playoff holes, it ends up being Terrell Hatton, and the European Tour did this really savvy thing where they were going to end under the lights, so they put floodlights on the 18th hole so that they could play that hole and end and end in the dark. Right? Well, they had no idea they were going to go four more holes (laughs) after that, and they really ended in the dark. But listen to this. This is my favorite part about this story. So six guys get in the playoff. So the way you do money and it breaks down, the first place prize was $2 million. Second place was supposed to be like 850000 But okay. when you have those next five guys, you take all the prize money from second through fifth and you split it right across the board. Right. So they all shared $430,000. So when they get down to the fourth playoff hole, this guy, Matthias Schwab, who ends up coming in second, right? They'd eliminated all the other guys. So this guy has like a five-foot putt to tie it to go to the fifth playoff hole that's worth $1.5 million. Oof. Exactly. Right. <laughs> oh. Right. It's it, it almost seems unfair, yeah. but of course it's unfair the way I bring it up now, having some fun with it. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, did you really know that putt was worth $1.5 million? I mean, I don't think there's been a putt out there, you know, maybe in the Tiger Phil match for $9 million or whatever, but there was a putt worth $1.5 million for five Insane. feet. And this poor guy, you know, he missed it, and, and he didn't win, and congratulations to Terrell Hatton. And, you know, speaking of winning money and not winning money, right, from time to time, I, I like to play a little bit of um, – fantasy golf on my phone you know there's an app for that and it's a lot of fun and uh this past weekend i took of uh, european tour content fame mr eddie pepperell right so listen to this story so i have him on my um we'll call it um for lack of a better term, DraftKings team, Got it. and um, so I have him on my team. It's legal now, you're good. Listen, what listen what happens to the? I mean, so this is like this. So this is a PSA for all kids out there. This is why you shouldn't do these things. You know, this is the director of fun telling you that this isn't fun. So don't get don't get involved in these apps or anything because this clown goes and decides to pluck five balls into a tin cup and put five balls into a greenside pond. Right? He runs out. Caddy walks over to his playing partners and said, "Eddie's done. He has no more golf balls. He's." <laughs> cute and done i'm like what is this guy are you kidding me right now are you like absolutely kidding me right does he not know that keith stewart had him in his pool you know clearly he did not care about me you know that's classic yeah and right you know now Here's another thing that I here speaking of caring, right? And better golf. Um, we have a big moment coming up for our director of instruction over at the club. Uh, he, you know him as Jason Barry. He is also the head men's golf coach over at Ryder University. And he had a player there named Ryan Sigler. And Ryan has qualified for the Corn Ferry final. So, you know, Brett had played on the Corn Ferry, it was like the web.com, the nationwide tour. That is the minor league tour or the tour just beneath 
the PGA Tour. So this is a really, okay. really big deal. They have three stages of qualifying school. So local player Ryan Sigler, who's coached by our director of instruction, Jason Barry. So we wish him the best. You know, we're definitely going to reach out to see the, if we can get the two of them here, maybe in the studio in early December, because the finals for the Corn Ferry are, are December 12th through the 15th down at Orange County National in Orlando. And I'd love to have those two guys in here. So I'm, Jason, I'm asking you now officially if you guys could come in there in early December. We'd love to have a chat with you and talk about what preparation's like for something that's going to be as uh, um, grueling and as competitive as the finals of that. And we wish Ryan the best. And uh, guest earlier in the year, Mr. Alex Beach, um, local uh, PGA professional. We had on the show back in May. Um, Alex, he also qualified. And uh, local club pro Mark McCormick up at Suburban. His son, Ryan, who played at St. John's, he qualified too. So best of luck to all of those folks. And, um, you know, are we running out of time already? We got there about 43 seconds. Oh, geez, I tell you. Well, you know what? The, the interview with Brett was so good. And um, you know what else is really good? Before I send you all over to Doug Gottlieb and uh, what all he has to say, which, in my opinion, is far better than taking taking you all away from Colin Coward which is I mean he was he was given you know that football game a tough time earlier and I was just listening here in the studio but um, what we really do is we appreciate our sponsors and our supporters here and without a doubt I want to thank the New Jersey Golf Foundation for all they do here in the state of New Jersey with their three pillars and growing the game Summit Golf Brands and all of their brands uh, underneath their their umbrella which is B Dratty Fairway and Green Zero Restriction EP New York FH Wadsworth we love their support of the show we love all their supports of the show True Golf management my springdale board of governors as they prep for tomorrow's annual meeting is the town hall um kind of uh meeting that they're going to host there at the club so good luck in their preparation for that and of course my producer on the board mr wade weezer thank you sir i'm heading to springdale folks but where are you headed so let the tower be your guide and from new york to philadelphia and of course everywhere online may you all have a springdale day This has been Springdale Golf Live with Keith Stewart. Keith returns to the team next Friday afternoon at 3 on Fox Sports 920, The Jersey.